Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the ARC Digital Transformation Viewpoints podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things related to digital transformation in energy, industrial, and critical infrastructure applications. The podcast is the creation of the ARC Advisory Group Digital Transformation Practice. ARC advises leading companies on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business. To engage further, please like and share our podcasts or reach out directly on Twitter at ARC underscore advisory, or please go go to our website at arcweb.com. Hello and welcome. This is Mark Sengupta, Research Director with the ARC Advisory Group, and I'm glad you could join us for this podcast on the topic of system modernization. As the pace of digital transformation accelerates, it is now more important than ever to prepare your entire operations for the future, and it begins with a foundation of asset digitization. Digital transformation is difficult if you don't have the basic digitalized operation. From there, you can take full advantage of continuous innovation, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, allowing your company the ability to compete on a whole new level. Modernization of older assets is key to managing the life cycle of your plant, and in the process, increasing productivity, revenue, and profitability. With me today is Nick Parker, Senior Director with Honeywell for System Modernization and Migrations. Welcome, Nick. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Mark. Great to talk to you today. Uh, Yes, I've been with Honeywell for 19 years in that time. um, Presently, as you said, I look after uh, system modernization and some of our key programs. Uh, Before then, I was based in Houston. I was the VP of Lifecycle Services. Uh, going back one step, I was in Europe looking after um, our lifecycle services for Europe, Middle East and Africa. And then going back one more step, back when I was in Australia uh, before, I looked after our global contract business and I set up a program called Assurance 360, some of our uh, listeners may know about, and I looked after our uh, Pacific projects. Before then, before I joined Honeywell, I was with another automation uh, supplier And one step back, I was a chemical engineer in industry. So I had a fairly wide range of experience and really excited to talk about system modernization with you today. Great. Well, you've certainly seen a lot in those uh, 30 plus years. Um, Nick, one of the things that uh, when ARC speaks with end users about modernization, they always tell us about risk. They talk about having to touch old brittle wires convert the configuration database, rework the graphics, rewrite programs, schedule a shutdown, lose production, spend a boatload of money. And when they finished, they have effectively the same control as they did before. So they don't, you know, the benefit, they don't realize a a strong benefit. You know, some some suppliers have done a lot of work to address this, but what do you see from your end? Sure, Mark. So just touching on some of the modernization trends, Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, Risk has to be out of the question. It's a hygiene thing to remove risk. Mm -hmm. And what customers are looking for now is beyond just like-for-like replication of their old legacy system. They really want to see some enhancements to plant, process, and how people work. Now, Virtually every company has some form of digitization drive. Some will call it Industry 4.0. Some may call it another name. But the data which serves up the inf- that becomes the information and then the intelligence for these systems comes from the process control system. 
And if your process control system has capacity constraints, it's actually a bottleneck to performing this. So that's one of the great things about system modernization, that it can really enable the digitization. The next thing is around 70% of plant incidents are actually due to human factors. Then you think about the operator effectiveness. How well laid out and logical are the graphics? Do they give the operator the information they need to know, or do they send all the information, some of which is really distracting, when there is a need to take quick action? And then things like alarm management. So with modernization, it's a real chance to improve the operator effectiveness of the system as well. Now, another thing which people are moving towards to address this risk you're speaking of is we now have centers of excellence. We have three hubs set up around the world where we have experts who just work on system modernization. And we take system uploads, which are digitally encrypted and sent through to those. And then we can have experts working on creating the new nodes. This moves away from the old paradigm where your local service engineers would come to site and work through it for weeks and sometimes months. Instead, it's far quicker on site. They're deploying the images that were created rather than building from the start and they're produced by experts. That's what they do. And also using digitized processes. So some of the manual steps we've eliminated all reduces risk. And the last thing, which perhaps is the biggest risk item, which every company must be thinking of, absolute hygiene factor for modernization is cybersecurity. Some of the legacy systems do not have networks which are actually designed with cyber in mind. We create a DMZ or DMZ, depending on where you are in the world, a demilitarized zone, which actually hardens the cybersecurity of the site. And then we add other things such as managed services and application whitelisting. So all of these contribute to a lower risk migration, but more importantly, one which really adds net positive business impact to the customer. Well, interesting. So, you know, one of the last, you know, last couple of years, uh, we've all been dealing with uh, COVID. We've dealt with lockdowns. We've dealt with social distancing. I know many suppliers had to adapt how projects got done. It seems like we're moving out of that phase and knock on wood. Um, but uh, how do you see customers approaching system modernization in the post-pandemic area? Uh, what, what have you learned and what are you bringing forward as a result? Yeah, thanks, Mark. It was really a time of rapid change. I was in Houston at, at, at that time, which was one of the early hit uh, places of the world. And our customers, some of them were really ready and some of them weren't. And it was the ability to embrace the technology, the ability to work remotely, ability to work in a digitized way. Now, there was a lot of long-held beliefs which were really challenged. So many people always want the person they know and trust to be on site doing all the work. And we are not removing the people, the customers know and trust. We still want them on site doing work, but we want them doing high value work, which the customer needs. But when we couldn't get on site, how do you, how do you then uh, manage to uh, achieve the outcomes? And I right. mentioned before how we're, digitally uploading the system information for migrations. But we use things such as intelligent wearables. We started doing factory acceptance testing without the customer even being in the premises, no matter where it was in the world. And they loved it. They could see virtually everything they would normally 
They could talk with the person doing the testing. They could even look at screens, seeing exactly what the person doing the testing with them was. So it even goes beyond the site uh, information uploads. Uh, the other thing is a lot of customers realized having all your engineering and all your control for a site in one building creates a risk, right? How do you diversify that? How do you have a distributed architecture? Mm -hmm. So we started doing things such as having the ability to engineer and control in different parts of the site or creating a system where one site can actually help take over if necessary for another. And then also, if you've got people in the central office, can they also have control and engineering if needed? Because if you've got a key person, somebody who's an absolute expert in some part of the um, of the control system configuration, and that person goes out, you want the next best person in the organization. And if you have this remote distributed architecture, you can make sure your best person is available to every site. And that's something which is just so valuable post the pandemic as well. And maybe the last thing I'd mention is we still offer the traditional classroom training. A lot of companies will like it and it's good for doing a lot of people quickly. But think about how we learn in our own lives. I'll guarantee you if you've got some new, I don't know, pool pump or something, you'll probably download the YouTube app before you read all the instructions. You're, right. you're going to do it in a way which is intuitive and makes sense. And people are now learning through e-learning. They want to do it in their time that fits their schedule in bite-sized chunks so that they just do the bit which really tops up their skills where needed. And we're now providing subscription-based services to do that. And people can then do training on their terms when makes sense. And I, I think that's another great innovation that's come out of the pandemic. Oh, wow. Okay, well, let's shift gears a little bit. You know, Honeywell, when you talk about migrations, Honeywell has always talked about never leaving a customer behind, right? Yeah. Or the continuous evolution of their systems. And I know, you know, I when I was... I would go to Phoenix. There was the original serial number one highway basic controller connected to the, the latest Honeywell system. Uh, so, you know, you've got a, 1990, a 1975 system that's, that could be running and functional today, uh, controlling a plant. How is Honeywell continuing to support its customers as technology advances? Yeah, Mark, you, you certainly have a background in Honeywell and you go back a long way talking about highway as well. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, so, yeah, we absolutely do pride ourselves on not leaving a customer behind, um, which is a, it's a motherhood statement, but it's one we back up. So what does that mean? You don't need to rip and replace Honeywell systems. By rip and replace, we mean pull out all the input-output wiring, pull out all the I.O. cards, completely start again. Some companies, their systems, often you do, but we design our systems to prevent that. And why is that so important? Apart from the obvious cost and disruption and the fact the plant must be shut down, so much of the value is in your intellectual property. It's in your engineering. If you have to rip the whole system apart and re-engineer, I've never seen a company with 20 years or so of use of a control system have a completely up-to-date set of documentation. There's always knowledge loss. There's people who've done things different ways, different times. 
and it works. Now, do you want to go through the process of reverse engineering all of that? It is really high risk. Right. What we have is yep, called backwards compatibility. So as you move from one system to the other, the new system can incrementally be added and they coexist. So you, if you have the legacy nodes, you mentioned the highway, they have legacy nodes. The information and the function of those can then be uploaded to servers. Similarly, the controller cards on our, on our later systems, you can pull them out and we've designed the new cards which have the same longevity as our latest control systems and they'll fit in the same chassis. They will also equalise the databases. So with redundant pairs, you pull one out, you put in the new, new card, which is fully compliant and fully supported. They equalise. You change the other one. It's the same of uploading from the nodes. So this allows the migrations to be done online as well. The vast majority of migrations can be done online and they can be done with this incremental series of changes where everything is backwards compatible. So you don't have the rip and replace. And the other thing is by moving some of the legacy uh, nodes into servers, that's the last migration you ever do on those. Those servers, especially if they're virtual, they're there for a very long time, but then it's just a case of keeping your servers, your operating systems, and that infrastructure up to date. So the continuous evolution of Honeywell means you don't have this big bang every 20 or 30 years. You have more a continuous evolution. Well, that's nice. Okay, so, so what advice do you have for your customers in building a case for modernization? Is there any tips for justifying ROI? Uh, Etc. Is it, what 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 do you tell customers when they're considering this? Yeah, absolutely. And there's often a uh, sort of mentality: if it, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Right? right? It's been there for a long time, and that gear just doesn't break down. It just keeps going and going. Why are you talking about touching it? Right? And mm -hmm. that's a conversation a lot of people are having with the senior management in their organisations. Now, the first thing is obviously obsolescence. I mentioned the concept of a hygiene factor before. Hygiene factor meaning something which has to be addressed uh, before you look at everything else. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to have the correct underpinning. So obsolescence must be taken care of because it's not just Honeywell. It's is your operating system still current? And if the operating system isn't current, Microsoft aren't making updates. They make updates for the current ones. So the updates, the current systems actually show vulnerabilities in the old one. So you really have a risk if you're letting that go behind. Then there's the third-party server um, and stations. There's the network equipment, et cetera. So there's a whole series of equipment which we've got a technology roadmap and make sure we cover obsolescence for. Now, the other thing is with obsolescence, it goes beyond parts. You've got to think also about the competency of people. Can you get people actually who know how to work with the old equipment? These people, you know, we were discussing before, you and I, Mark, we started a long time ago. <laughs> There's a lot of people <laughs> with grey beards like us out there. Right. And they're retiring. And they're taking their skills with them on these older systems. And we still have quite a lot of them in Honeywell, but they are too as well. So from our technical support point of view, as well as the customers, there's real risk here. But then going beyond obsolescence, operator effectiveness, I mentioned before, around 70% of 
plant incidents are actually human factor induced. Operator effectiveness is so important. Cleaning up graphics, making alarm management, not spamming people with an overload so they see what's important and they get the alarms that are important. The other thing is constraints for solutions. The benefits of advanced controls and things which we call at level three and a half, and then the IT layer at level four, like manufacturing execution systems, are huge. They can mean two, three percent of additional capacity for the plant. You need a system that can serve up that data in real time without being overloaded. Then recruitment and retention. If you're hiring young people, do they want to work on a 30-year-old system? Will they stay with you if you have that? Are they testing their skills? Are they able to build on that and get into the exciting new applications, the machine learning, the artificial intelligence, all the wonderful things we can now do building off the control system and also the retention? People want to be using new modern technology so they can really see how they can make a positive business impact. I mentioned before intellectual property. The engineering of the system that's grown over you know, decades. Reverse engineering that always creates a risk, creates a loss. It's very difficult. When you modernize, you're actually locking that, that intellectual property into the new system, which is then available for the next decades to come. And lastly, cybersecurity. Cybersecurity has to be something which we're constantly working on. But if you have a system with a poor network design, it's going to be extremely difficult to achieve the levels of cybersecurity, which you know, Honeywell and I'm sure most companies, IT departments would certainly recommend. So you've got to think about the cybersecurity aspect as well. So all these things, Mark, they add up to a really compelling case to modernise your system beyond that basic hygiene factor of obsolescence. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you've you've kind of gone from, you know, you've got the, the financial side and the benefit and, and whatnot, but you've also got that soft side where you've got the employee and, and, you know, everybody we speak with is having issues. They want to know, how do we keep employees? How do we, what, what do we do to attract young people away from Google? Because that's your, that's your competition now. It's Google, Microsoft. It's the same skill set that you're now fighting for. And you're saying, well, you can go to West Coast, California, whatever, and live in the Bay Area, or you can come to, you know, backwoods Mississippi and work in our refinery. And that, you know, that's a big pull. How do, how do I, or a big ask, right, for, you know, some people. Um, so that's, that, I mean, that's really interesting. Um, so, let, as we wrap up here, I, I was wondering if you could give us uh, what you see as future strategies around modernization. When you look in, you know, you got your crystal ball. What's what do you see coming up? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, I'll introduce a concept to you. We're calling it autonomous modernization, and what we're talking about here is for the systems which are current, right? So you've, you've gotten rid of your legacy system. You're fully supported by Honeywell. We want to move away from these big migration projects. We, we are very, very efficient with them, especially when we use our centres of excellence and our global migration uh, service centres. But we want to move away from these once in so many years migrations. 
we want to move more towards incremental updates. Think more about how your, your phone works, right? How you get updates, they're not invasive. And the other thing is when you get them, you get new features and functionality. You don't have to wait for a long time before you can get these benefits. Now, in doing this, it would be part of a wider outcomes-based support. We've got these fantastic outcomes-based support programs like Enabled Services and Assurance 360. We want to have this continuous autonomous modernization of your control system to be part of this operational mindset, not a big project mindset. And there's a workflow of status tracking, a bit like a plane taking off. You know, you, you'll be able to see, okay, we, we're expecting the next flight, the next change at this date, we're, we're getting ready for it. All the governance and all the change control the, opera, the end user would always have is still maintained. We would say we're getting ready to do this incremental update. Please review, approve. We push down to site. It then gets spread through the nodes at site. But of all that correct change control, but each step of the process, just like as you're going in for a flight, sort of pre-boarding, checking in, then we have the flight and landing, et cetera, it'll be tracked and workflowed. And as well as the governance, the cybersecurity, we're putting a huge amount of effort in to make sure everything is fully encrypted, everything is safe, the customer knows what's moving up and down from their site, they can have... Um, open on demand by opening ports, can be pushed down, can be checked, and then it can be pushed through the site. But moving more towards this autonomous, incremental, digitized modernization as an expansion to the ongoing support contract. That's a, that's a big deal. It's a, it's a big change from, say, 10 years ago, right, when you had to send a, a piece of media out and hope for a shutdown and, you know, or at least do the whole dance where you fail over to the backup and all that stuff. And, and usually, uh, back then anyway, you'd find that your customers were at one, maybe two releases, if you were lucky, within two releases of the current release, maybe they were even further back behind because it, it was so much work. So that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, you're so right, Mark. Often with um, the modernization projects, the first thing was sort of unwinding uh, any deviations from best practice, right? And often yeah. you'd have to have this sort of precursor project. And part of the reason why we're saying make this part of the outcomes-based support is that we have the continual tracking of the status of the system so that if there are any capacity issues, if there was a memory leak or server getting overloaded, et cetera. We're continually monitoring this, addressing it. So it isn't a case of, wow, we need to have this big project to get migration ready. We're looking at this as part of the ongoing support of the system all the time. Great. Well, Nick, I'd like to thank you for joining me today to discuss system modernization trends and strategies. To our audience, thank you for attending. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Honeywell's modernization solutions, please visit pmt.honeywell.com. If you'd like to learn more about the ARC Advisory Group, please visit us at arcweb.com. Thanks for listening.